0: Welcome to the Show Up Fitness Podcast, where great personal trainers are made. We are changing the fitness industry one qualified trainer at a time with our in-person and online personal training certification. If you want to become an elite personal trainer, head on over to showupfitness.com. Also, make sure to check out my book, How to Become a Successful Personal Trainer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Have a great day and keep showing up. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to the Show Up Fitness Podcast. Happy New Year 2024. I want to hear your BHAG, your big, hunky, audacious goals. Shoot me a DM, let me know, put it into your story for the accountability. Too many people have terrible goals. I want to be healthier. I want to be more consistent. That is not measurable. We're going to really dive into these BHAGs by doing a very thorough, swift analysis for Saturday's podcast. But today we're gonna be talking about should you work out if you are sick? A lot of people will give you their anecdotes, but let's dive a little deeper into the science behind working out if you are sick. The general rule of thumb is gonna be if it's above the neck, you're probably fine. If it's below the neck, you may wanna think twice about it. What I mean by that is if you have the sniffles, you have a little bit of a cough, If you have yellow mucus, I know that doesn't sound very appetizing, you're probably okay. It's more of a bacterial infection. If it's below the neck, you feel something on your chest, tightness, you're coughing up some green mucus, which could be more viral. You have total body chills, a fever. You may want to hold off until you're feeling better. Hands down, the two best things that you can do when you're not feeling well, optimize sleep and your hydration levels. There's no magical cure. There's a ton of wives' tales. You gotta have this or have that, put fucking garlic in your socks. There's all these crazy things that people will swear by. And it's really just a mindset thing. If you're not feeling well and someone gives you a suggestion and you do it and you feel better, then you're gonna swear that's the anecdote. I've definitely done a hot toddy before. Mom tells you to throw some maple syrup and lemon juice and with a shot you feel better, then you're gonna swear by that. But that's not the case. There's no magical ailments out there. Vitamin C, vitamin D, echinacea, those are all things that are not gonna really do much. The science does not support it. They may help you, but it's probably because you're sleeping better and you're drinking more fluids. Zinc is something that you can definitely increase, which will help with your immunity. But you really need to factor in what exercise does. Exercise is stress. And if you go in there and you have more of a full body illness, maybe you're coming down with the flu or something, and you go work out, Exercise is stress, so your body is then going to focus on the stressor that you just put on it, and then the cold or the flu or the sickness, whatever you had, is going to amplify. Think of it like you have a little fire over here that you're putting out, then when you work out, you're starting another fire and diverting all of your attention to the first fire that you wanted to put out. Now that one is going to grow and become a lot worse. Exercise is Stress. So if you're going to work out for an hour, you're compromising your immune system. You have this window post-workout where your immunity is going to be compromised. There's, I remember stories that Dr. Kramer would tell me when I was at the University of Connecticut about the Russian lifters after their workouts. Now, they absolutely owned all Olympic records between like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And they were known for after their workouts, they would put masks on because they didn't want to be exposed to any germs because their immune systems were most compromised. You have like this hour window post-workout where your defense system is down because exercise is stress. Typically, when we're healthy, we feel better after a workout. But when you work out when you're sick, you could actually be doing more harm. I remember one time in 2004, almost 20 years ago, I went to the gym. I could easily bench 225 on incline for five, six reps. And I warmed up with 135 and I could barely do it five times. And I was just like, something feels off. I had this pressure, something felt swollen on my left side and my energy levels were really low. So I went to the doc, emergency care, found out I actually had the kissing disease, but I didn't get it from kissing mono. And my spleen was really swollen and almost ruptured. When that happens, you can die. So if I would have taken that Goggins mentality and said, fuck it, I just gotta go balls to the wall, keep on pushing through it, It would have been a very, very terrible situation, maybe even resulting in death. And so you have to always factor in how you feel with the output. My best suggestion is know what you're capable of doing with the understanding that exercise is stress. Don't put the same amount of stress on a body that isn't 100% if you're not feeling well. So if you're normally working out for 60 to 75 minutes and you're trying to go 90 to 100%, then just cut it in half. Do 15 to 30 minutes. The intensity should be like 50, 60%. So the other day when I wasn't feeling that well, it about two weeks ago, I went into the gym. I ran a mile, speed six, nothing crazy. Did three sets of hammer strength press, three sets of lat pull downs, three sets of bicep curls. Then I went in the steam room for 10, 15 minutes. That was it. Made sure to drink a bunch of water. And the next day I felt great. And went back to about 75%. So that just increased the intensity a little bit. Ran two miles, did some leg work and some triceps and then did the steam room again, and I bounced back pretty quickly. Now, if I would've taken that approach, go as hard as I can, I'm just being a wimp, that little cold that I had could've been a lot worse, and maybe I would've been out for a couple weeks. So it always depends on your body and how you feel. Someone asked me in class the other day, why is it that I feel worse at night when I don't feel well? And it's because of our hormones. Our cortisol levels typically will dip at night, and cortisol is a stress hormone, but it's an anti-inflammatory hormone. So after an hour of waking is typically when we'll start feeling better and then throughout the day we'll feel good and then at night it kind of creeps back up. It's very common to experience that your symptoms are going to heighten at night in an early morning that first hour. So this is just a generalized should you work out if you're not feeling well and my advice would be just listen to your body, drink water, get your sleep. If you want to exercise, keep the intensity a little lower. If the symptoms are above the neck, you're probably okay. Yellow mucus, again, is all right. If it's below the neck, total body fatigue, green mucus, you might want to give yourself some rest. At the very least, if you wanted just to get out and get some sun and walk a little bit, that may help your mindset in the recovery process. But then an important thing to factor in is if you're a trainer. Now, if your clients reach out to you and say, I'm not feeling that well, should I come in for a workout? I think that's completely different. Because if your client misses one session, no biggie. But if you get sick and you're out for a week, I was looking at someone the other day and they were talking on Instagram that they do over 60 sessions per week, that's nuts. Can you imagine the pay cut that's gonna happen if you miss 60 sessions for that week? Even if you're charging 100 bucks, that's six grand. So that could be a huge hit to your monthly income. That's our issue that we have as trainers is we only have one stream of revenue, something that Show Fitness is trying to fix with our 60-30-10 split. So if you weren't feeling well and you miss one day, that's not nearly as bad as missing the whole week. So let your clients know to be respectful if they're around people and they have COVID or the flu. If they just feel off, reschedule them 24 hours to 48 hours later. Let them be back to normal before they start coming in, breathing all over you, spitting shit on the ground. Working out can be a disgusting act, spitting shit and breathing all over. Clients doing bench press or coughing in your face, the so last thing that you want to be exposed to is all of those nasty ass germs in the gym environment so just make sure to communicate very openly with your clients so then there's no misinterpretation or if they get butt hurt because you tell them stay home i don't want you coming in You also need to put your foot down if a client comes in and they just look like shit or they're coughing just to say, no, I think it'd be best if you go home. I don't want to train you today because this could be doing more harm than good. Again, they may get a little butthurt at the moment, but long term, it's going to be better for both of you. Good answer some questions. Today, someone asked about PAP training and what is the benefit of that? PAP stands for post-activation potentiation. And this is a higher threshold motor unit recruitment exercise. So you're recruiting something at 85 plus percent, so really heavy, but also at a high threshold when it comes to velocity. So you're doing some type of jump. They'll call this contrast training as well. There's French contrast or different variations within that. But you'll do something heavy into like a jump, or you could do a jump into something heavy. Badass Canadian sprinter Ben Johnson was known for doing heavy back squats before he would go out there and race. I think he ran like a 9.9.500 and got a bronze medal in the 84 Olympics in LA. He was known for doing this type of contrast training to help optimize your recruitment before his big race. And so Pap training is great for everybody. Just make sure they had that foundation down, movement competency, strengthening their ligaments and tendons for a good month. Some months, maybe three and four, would be good to introduce for your clients or just as a new block for someone who you've been training for a while. It makes the workouts feel more athletic-based. We're gonna start doing some small group classes in La Jolla a lot more and they're gonna be doing a lot of athletic exercises and pap training will be foundation for a lot of the workout classes that they're gonna be doing down there so after a dynamic warm-up you could do like max jumps for 10 into 85 percent trap bar deadlift into some pull-ups into some push-ups into some abs and then you rest and that would be a circuit make sure that we allow for at least two to three minutes to optimize the recruitment of those high threshold motor units Otherwise, you're going to be training your type 1 muscle fibers to move fast and explosive, which you cannot do. It'll be like trying to get Shaquille O'Neal to be a really good point guard. No, that's stupid. Why would you do that? You want the type 2 muscle fibers to be explosive. They are very quickly to fatigue, so that's why we need the long rest periods. When you go to an F45, yes, it's challenging, but it's not optimizing the recruitment of those type 2 muscle fibers because when you do a cardio exercise into a moderate strength exercise and you go back and forth with no rest... Yes, it's harder, but so is driving drunk. We're not encouraging that. Yeah, go drink a bottle of whiskey and then go drive home. No, that's stupid. You can hurt people. Why do we take that approach with exercise? We need to be training harder, harder, harder. Well, I think a lot of us can probably train harder. We don't know what proper intensity is, but we can train smarter as well. Harder isn't always better, especially when it comes to the science of strength training and implementing PAP. Post-activation potentiation, just a cool word to say. The other question that we had was based around nutrition. If you had three individuals, and let's say they were triplets, one was eating fruit, one was eating meat, and one was eating a mixed diet, would you see a similar body composition? And I said, well, it depends on the workouts. You got to look at that. Also neat, non-exercise activity, thermogenesis. Now, if those are all factored in the same and they're triplets, that means the genes are the same. The person who eats more meat or protein would have the lowest body composition. And that is because protein burns more calories. And that's referred to as the thermal effect of food or diet-induced thermogenesis if you were to read an article from you know, metabolism or a science-based journal. In our nutrition course, Shelf Fitness Nutrition Course, SUFNC, this course is two months. Mel is our registered dietitian who teaches with Shelf fitness. We're in the process of getting CEUs for that course. It's two months. It's every Tuesday and Thursday, at 11 o'clock California time. They're live, but they're also on demand within the show up fitness app. You will learn more in those two months than any certification out there around nutrition. Guarantee it. Precision Nutrition, PN1. The only people who should get that certification are trainers at Equinox because it's free. Otherwise, it's a thousand-page textbook. You don't get asked questions to an RD. It's the NASM of nutrition. NASM also has their own nutrition course, which is bullshit as well. You want to be able to ask questions to an RD and go through case examples. I teach the anatomy portion I'm real big into digestion, what's happening at the mouth. Mastication, don't say it too fast. People will think you're weird. Mastication is the process of chewing one of the strongest muscles in the human body, not my biceps. It's the masseter muscle. That's your jaw muscle. And then you're going to swallow. It goes into your stomach via the esophagus. First foot of the small intestine is called your duodenum. Then you have your jejunum and the ileum. Then it goes into the large intestine. You have to understand anatomy before you get into the complexities behind nutrition. It's just like with movement. Everyone wants to get the coolest new specialization, but you can't even tell me the basic anatomy of the shoulder or the hip or the knee. Start with the basics, own that shit, and then get into the complexities behind macros and biochemistry. And we have case examples for unique situations whether if it's menopause or pregnancy endurance athletes HEC or hunger energy and cravings you get to ask mel these questions who is an RD. That's what the learning experience should be like. You're going to learn a ton in these two months with myself and our RD. If you want to take that class, email us at info at In the title, just put S-U-F-N-C. I want to show up and we'll get you into that class. It's 200 bucks for two months, 100 bucks a month. And I'll teach you how to generate another stream of revenue by partnering with RDs, how to reach out and charge more from your clients as well because too many trainers are not optimizing those streams as I was referencing earlier in today's podcast. Why not, if you have 15 clients, have each one of them pay $100 per month to go through nutrition, pay an RD, $150, $500, $1,000, whatever you think is fair, and then that team is going to be superior than any individual. That's how referrals are gonna happen as well. You could definitely get clients from it. So a calorie is a calorie. It's a unit of measurement. It's actually the amount of energy required to increase the temperature one degree Celsius. That's just the definition of a calorie. We get all obsessed on good calories and bad calories. It's like saying a mile in the rain is bad versus a mile in the snow is better. Why? They're both a mile. It's a unit of measurement. So it's not good or bad. It's just, it is what it is. I'm not saying that all calories are the same. Just like running a mile in the snow is different than running a mile in the rain or running a mile with a 30-pound backpack on, or running a mile being chased by a gorilla. Those are all different experiences, but the unit of measurement is the same. So 100 calories from a Twinkie is going to be the same as 100 calories of broccoli. The broccoli is going to be more nutritious. There's gonna be fiber, there's gonna be phytochemicals, a lot of great stuff in there, but at the end of the day, it's still 100 calories. 100 grams of protein is going to burn more calories. The TEF or DIT is 30% versus carbs, which is around 15, fat around 5. So you will burn more calories by eating more protein. Fiber, you'll burn more as well. The first law of thermodynamics, energy can neither be created nor destroyed. We're going to teach you all that stuff in our nutrition course. You get asked questions, most importantly, and get them answered. Just like the one today, shoot us questions that you have about nutrition, about workouts, the best exercises, trends or fads in 2024. The more questions you ask, Share this into your story. It helps us grow our mission, which is to change the fitness industry by creating qualified, certified personal trainers. I just had someone recently from YMCA reach out because their manager didn't accept the Shelf Fitness CPT. I shot him an email. We are recognized internationally, domestic as well. We have partnerships with 170 lifetime gyms now, uh, over 35 at Equinox. I will get in contact with the manager. Tell them what it takes to go through to be considered a recognized certification, which Show Up Fitness CPT is. We will help you with the resume. We will help you with the interview process. Just because you get through the door, the rest is up to you. Do you look the part? Are you confident? Do you have the people skills? Just because you put a Show Up Fitness CPT on your resume doesn't guarantee you that you're going to get a job. You're just going to be more qualified than the competition. Do you look the part? Can you talk the part? Maybe you just shit the bed in that interview and you were nervous and you are stuttering a bunch. You didn't convey to the hiring manager that you're the best person for that job. Maybe they don't need a dude. Maybe they don't want a girl. Maybe they don't want tattoos or earrings or whatever the hell it is. There's so many factors that go into getting hired. If you're a gym that needs a younger person to work with younger kids and you're 15, you go to that gym and you don't get hired... Don't get butthurt. Find a place that wants you, that needs you. There are so many people in the world who need qualified trainers. If you have a spot and you don't get hired there, move on. There's so much opportunities in the fitness industry. Our next in-person class is January 22nd. Two months every single day in person, also online. You're gonna be working with an instructor, going through programming and how to navigate certain scenarios. The in-person, in my opinion, is the best investment any trainer could ever do because those two months and the experience that you get, is going to separate you from all of the textbook certified trainers that are out there. And it just shows. Your confidence is going to be through the roof. In those two months, you will gain the same amount of experience and confidence that most trainers will take two or three years to get. So you are significantly ahead of everyone else. Think of it as like you're running a marathon and you just got the first three miles gifted to you. That's what the show up in this internship in person is going to do for you. If you want to attend, don't have the finances, we have monthly payment options, 100 bucks a month. You literally only have excuses for not becoming the best. Show up in person the 22nd. Look forward to going over our BHAG goals on Saturday for the next podcast. DM us on things you want to hear more about in 2024. I want to hear your BHAG because this is going to be the best fucking year Ever and remember keep showing up.